you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, my guest this evening is Brad Rhodes, who with his wife, Marilyn, has released a book called The Grace Marriage, How the Gospel and Intentionality Transform Your Relationship. So, Brad, thank you for coming on the broadcast with us, and I'm going to say thank you for the book. I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read a bunch of it, and uh, you write well, and um, you've got very important things to say, very helpful things. Talk with us a little bit about how would you compare a grace-filled marriage to a performance-filled marriage? A grace-filled marriage or grace-based marriage is where just love is given away as a free gift of grace to the other. Just, I give you kindness and service and gifts just as a free gift to you just because I choose to love you. Kind of mm-hmm. like God chooses to give his love to us, not based on any merit of our own. Amen. Zero. It's just, he chose us, he adopted us as his children, and he just says, I love you, and I grant you favor and adoptions as son. And then he says, how do we, how do we call the love one another as we've been loved? Exactly. So, so like in a grace-based marriage, I love Marilyn Rose, my wife, just because she's Marilyn Rose. That's it. It's not based on anything she does or doesn't do, <clears throat> how much she benefits or doesn't benefit me. It's mm-hmm. just I love her. Amen. In a, a performance-based marriage, I love her well when she loves me well. I withdraw for her, give her a consequence when I don't feel she loves me well. When she yep. gives me attention, I give her attention. And it's, so a grace-based marriage is on the foundation, the rock foundation of Jesus Christ. A performance-based marriage is on the roller coaster, the performance of man, and is, is wrought with many difficulties. Amen. And a grace-based marriage is therefore uh, not um, just about how we feel toward the other person. It's about how we treat the other person. It, it has to do with, uh, it's decisional in, in that mm. I, I have made this commitment. And so now I follow through even on those days or in those moments when I don't feel tremendous love. Absolutely. I mean, love is an action. It's not a feeling. I mean, if, if, if love was a feeling, it would be impossible to love your enemy as we're called to love our enemy. Exactly. May I, may I ask you a question? When, when will you feel like loving an enemy? Try, ne- <laughs> try never. You'll feel towards your enemy, but it won't be love. Exactly. So, so it's um, you know, so you make an excellent point because if if love is must be motivated by an underlying feeling, it will be sporadic and it will be inconsistent and mm-hmm. it will break down. Because sometimes I have intense feelings toward Marilyn. Sometimes I don't have any feelings toward her. Frankly, any feelings at all. I feel pretty cold. So it's. <laughs> You know, I, I, I wish it was. I wish it was easier. Where I was just so overcome by feelings that love was natural, but uh, it's an act of the will. 
Amen. And, and I think with that, there are times when we lean hard on that phrase, as unto the Lord. Um, there are times when I'm doing things for my wife uh, that are love, uh, but I'm doing it not because of, as, as we just said, feelings toward her, but because of gratitude to God, who has been so merciful to me. And so in light of God's mercy toward me, I'm loving her as an offering to him. Yeah, if, if love's not motivated by we're delighted in by God, we're loved by God, we're given grace from God, it, it's really not possible because if you just try to do it as a pure act of the will and not fueled by an overflow of the delight, love, grace, forgiveness, and mercy of God, yes, you, you just can't do it. You might be able to do it for a day or two, but it breaks down because it's basically trying to give out of an empty well. I mean, it's, yes. I mean, and, and, it, and if, if your life is to bring God glory, and you want to love your wife to bring God glory, you can be totally consistent. If you're loving your wife because you want a better marriage, you're going to stop because a lot of times it just won't, won't look like it works. Right. Okay. I've had, in counseling, I've had them tell, well, I tried that. It didn't work. And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> well said, so what's your ultimate goal? My ultimate goal is to have a great marriage. Well, then it might not work. If right. your ultimate goal is to bring God glory by laying your life down for another as Christ laid down for her and you're doing that, yeah, it, it worked. Amen. Amen. And God will always reward those who do what he says, but it may not be with everything working out the way we want it to. You know, if, if you love as Christ loved the church, God will be pleased. And that relationship is the one relationship that is forever. We're not married again in heaven, are we? Hmm. No, it's, and it's, you know, we, we say it's probably overstated to have a great marriage. You have to not need one because it's like if because it's jesus is enough he's sufficient he's enough yeah. for everything and if it's like you know what's enough for me is jesus plus meryl and i doing really well and having a mutually pleasurable relationship all the time we have a great marriage by god's kindness but it's i hope better not being it because it could be gone in a moment yes i was talking with someone this morning uh, they were had read my wife's book about our journey and um they said so was it love at first sight and I said, no, actually, I began to fall in love with her before I ever laid eyes on her because I heard her sharing a testimony mm -hmm. and she was in a, seated in a place in a room where I couldn't see her. But as I heard her talking, I realized that's somebody who loves the Lord like I do. That's somebody who is going to love the Lord more than she's going to love me. And that's what I'm looking for in a wife because I need somebody who's going to understand I'm going to always love the Lord more than I'm going to love her. You had love at first listen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I was very pleased, however, when I did finally get a look at her and the Lord was kind there too. But, but, you know, my relationship with the Lord is primary and my relationship with the Lord is eternal. And it is through his grace that I'm able to have the kind of marriage that you describe in this book. Mm -hmm. And that is a marriage that's based on grace. And because he doesn't change, he carries us through those, those difficult times. Now, you've certainly seen a lot of couples who have been through some difficult times. And you also know firsthand what it is when things are not feeling so good, don't you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Our first year of marriage was, a, I mean, 
from Marilyn's perspective, a disaster. You know, I didn't think it's so bad, but she sure did. And, and that was after a wonderful courtship, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I went from her favorite person, her least favorite person in six months. And, um, <laughs> and I don't and I, I, I mean it, too. We had our first fight on our at our, at our wedding reception, you know, because so, <laughs> I was rude. I was rude to the photographer. And then she was bothered by it. And she's, oh, my goodness, he's rude as well. Can be so. <laughs> but that was your first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. It's gotten better, hasn't it? Yeah, God just utterly transformed it. One, God opened Marilyn's eyes to the sufficiency of Christ. I mean, Marilyn came to me and said, I don't need you. I thought that was going bad, but then she explained it and said, look, Jesus is sufficient for me. She says, my joy, my happiness, my security, my beauty, my acceptance, it comes from Christ and Christ alone. I'll be, she said, I'll be your godly wife, but I'm off your roller coaster. And then, and then God broke me and, and basically showed me that I was a, completely selfish I considered myself above her and um, broke me and I came back and told her look the only thing's gonna be different to everything so showed Maryland grace and sufficiency of Christ showed me what intentional application of God's word and when those merged man things went well praise God and I want folks to hear that because I, I think a lot of people when they hear someone like you or they hear someone like me we talk about how good things can be if you do things God's way, they kind of look at their circumstance and they say, I don't, I don't think I could ever get there. Well, I mean, I've heard it said that, you know, marriage is set up to fail because we expect from it what can it never deliver. Marriage, can, marriage cannot deliver my security. It cannot deliver my satisfaction. Only Christ can deliver that. Amen. Marriage is an avenue for me to live out the gospel to bring him glory. It's not an avenue for me to be like a parasite to draw off another human being to make me feel good about me. Yes. So as long as you're, if your hope of marriage is making your life better, um, there'll be a point that you want to leave it. Mm-hmm. And again, Jesus makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. When, when I have people who ask me, you know, what, what would you say is, you know, kind of the key? I say, well, my wife and I both have the same best friend, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when we're in trouble, we're not in trouble just between the two of us. Mm-hmm. But she can run to him. I can run to him and say, help. Yeah. Would you please talk to her? Would you please talk to him? Can you help us sort this out? Of course he can. But, but you have to learn to draw on him. And that's, again why grace and intentionality are, are so vital. Now, uh, what, what does grace look like in a marriage if one person is a Christian and the other is not? How does that work out? Well, one, it's really tough. You know, it's, it's really, really hard. And that's one of the reasons I think Scripture kind of talks about not being unequally yoked because it, right. anticip- it anticipates the difficulties when you are. Uh, great Grace would look like you know, what it would look like for an individual, the believer in the relationship would be to seek full satisfaction and hope in him. So mm-hmm. the person's not just perpetually miserable because of their marriage. Right. I see a lot of people that basically their whole hope in life revolves in their marriage. Yeah. You know? And if their marriage is going to get better. So grace would be light burden, easy yoke, rested soul, Sabbath rest of Christ, delighted in living as a confident believer despite having a subpar marriage because I have a spouse that doesn't know the Lord and may be selfish. Mm-hmm. And then, then it's, then it's, you know, God's kindness leads to repentance. So then it's loving, 
loving your lost spouse as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, now, we'll make a caveat. It's, it's never tolerating infidelity. It's never tolerating abuse. It's never tolerating narcissism. It's not failing to address issues. Right. But what it is, it's being secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're called to love the lost, and that would be include loving a lost husband or a love, lost wife. Yes, amen. But if you're not married yet, but you're thinking, oh, this person's so wonderful, the only thing they need is just to get saved. Don't do it. Don't enter that relationship as, as a marriage, because God explicitly says in the, the passage, Brad, that you mentioned, do not be unequally yoked. Yeah, I think Gary Thomas also, it's like the spiritual, it's like the spiritual gym or the spiritual workout room where you're constantly challenged to put the interests of somebody else above your own. Yes. You're constantly challenged to lay down your life for another person. I mean, other if you're living by yourself, you wouldn't have that constant challenge. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it's marriage is such an interesting institution because it's tough, but it's amazing. I mean, so scripture, yeah. so scripture says he finds a, a wife, finds a good thing. It's a gift from the Lord. It's her husband's crown. Ecclesiastes and, and enjoy, you know, your fleeting life with your, with your wife. So it's, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's difficult to merge lives because you have different, different backgrounds, different things, different preferences. But at the same time, there's such a, a beautiful, enjoyable oneness, camaraderie, and pleasure that comes that, that when it, when it clicks does well. And one thing our heart at Grace Marriage is to help people walk into what God has for them in marriage. Yes, because it's not this, it's not just this difficult, laborious, functional coexistence that it's become. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I mean, I think it's more of an oasis in the desert, as Solomon describes it in in yes. Song of Solomon. It's just not many people ever find the oasis, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and and again, circumstances. On the one hand, the verse God gave me when I was a teenager and praying about whether I was supposed to pursue a life of singleness or, or marriage, God, the words leapt off the page where God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I read that, it was one of those rhema moments when it was yeah. like, God was saying to me, you need a wife. And God was exactly right, as he always is. But there are other folks at other stages in life who need to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, you know, if you're able to be single, like I am, the Apostle Paul at that point, um, it's good to be single in this circumstance. Yeah, and and Paul Paul even points out, you know, as much as I love marriage and marriage is what I do all the time, that, you know, that in some respects, singleness, singles is better. You know, so being Paul, Paul points that as well. So I think, to your point, you know, it's 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 love God with all your mind, heart, and soul wherever you are. If if you're called to be single, do it that way. If you're called to do married that way, but live a life to point people to Jesus, whatever life God calls you to. And these principles about marriage also have to do with just life. You know, those principles play out. And they transform your marriage if you walk in them. And they transform your singleness if you walk in them. If you're you're single, it doesn't mean you're supposed to just be a selfish jerk. If you're single, you're supposed to be bringing glory to God through living a life of sacrificial love. And if you are married, this is the key. Doing it God's way is the key to that oasis. Yeah, it's, I mean, I had one pastor, you know, ask him his, he said, I like my church again. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I, I looked out when I preached and I saw 
people aren't committed, they don't show up enough, they don't give enough. And he said, and God opened my eyes to grace that I'm to love them despite their sin, not hold their sin against them. Like God loves me despite mine, doesn't hold it against me. He said, so now I look out and I actually like my congregation again. So it completely changed his heart and affections toward the church in which he was lead pastor. Praise God. Praise God. That's the importance of these principles is these are not just for marriage. Your book does a beautiful job of applying them to marriage and and helping people understand if you are a married person, this is the way that God wants us to live. But if you're not a married person, this is the way that God wants us to live. He wants us to live a grace-filled life. Amen. Now, you have a, a website where people can go to get more information and uh, tell us a little bit about that and about your about your yeah. ministry. So Grace Marriage, what we do is we equip the local church with ongoing Christ-centered marriage ministries. So I'm a marriage, I was, I was ordained marriage pastor and I saw that we did premarital counseling and we did crisis counseling. Mm-hmm. We had zero strategy to shepherd, disciple, or help people thrive in marriage. It's like, hey, we'll get you ready. And if you hate each other and want a divorce, we'll try to talk you out of it and try to help you not get divorced. And I thought that's a really dumb strategy. And then I, as I looked across the landscape, that characterizes the majority of our churches. So our mission is that every Bible-believing church active ongoing marriage ministry. And what we do is we provide a church easy to implement. It doesn't hit the church budget, it's participant paid. It doesn't hit pastoral time because it's lay led. And the church will have an ongoing marriage ministry platform. And you can learn about it at gracemarriage.com. You can reach out to us at gracemarriage.com. And we would love to equip you because the church can't leave the marriage space open any longer. Marriage has declined for decades while the church sits there and doesn't even deem it worthy worthy of a ministry. It's amazing. Christ in the church, husband and wife, Genesis, Revelations. I mean, the Bible is rich theologically with marriage and how the church evolved without making marriage primary within the church. I don't know, but that has to change. And good news, church after church is changing the way they do it. And they realize that a functional family is a husband and wife and kids and a functional family ministry is a marriage ministry, kids ministry, youth ministry, that you really can't overcome family dysfunction with weekly programming. We have to reach the marriages. Praise God. And I think another reason why that is so vital and why it is so challenging is because our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this present age and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And Satan knows how important marriage is, that it is the God-ordained picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And therefore, he wants to do everything he can to tear it down. And another reason why a lot of pastors can't lead this is because their marriages are not what they should be. And when you look at the pastoral qualifications in scripture, the only gifting that is listed is the ability to teach. Mm-hmm. You gotta be able to teach. You don't have to be a showman, but you have to be able to teach in order to be qualify as an elder. The other things have to do with your marriage, your parenting, um, your hospitality, uh, your integrity, And these are things that are sadly overlooked by many churches when they're deciding who to call as a pastor or whether or not to keep a pastor who it turns out has a crummy relationship with their spouse, a terrible relationship with their children, um, an 
clear lack of integrity, but but he's such a gifted speaker. Yeah, you're 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 nailing it. It's like the the problem right now is we hire on giftedness and personality, not on biblical qualification. And giftedness and personality can grow a big church, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a work of God. Absolutely. Well, and and oh. too, you know, I think it's important to point out too that if if the words preached, regardless of the motive of the person, the words preached, God can still use it and bring about great things. Yes. Even if even if the messenger has some issues. And absolutely true. Absolutely true. Vitally important to remember. But if we do not have a good marriage, mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult to impart to others what you don't have. Oh, I had that my when my elders came to me to ask me to be an elder, I could tell their spouses were sad and tired and and they said, well, it's just hard being a pastor's wife. I said, hey, you made that up. I said, if I best gig in the church would be married to the pastor if he's qualified. Yeah. So if you said so if your wife doesn't have the, about the best gig in the church, maybe you need to see whether you need to resign. Yeah. Praise God. I'm so glad you said that. But it's true. It's true. And and it doesn't have to stay that way. I've had pastors who were guilty of infidelity in other neighboring churches. And when I talk with them, one guy said, I said, you're going to have to resign and you're going to have to get into a counseling situation where you're going to be held accountable. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know anybody. And I said, you, you mean you don't know anybody that you trust? And he said, no, I don't know anybody. And it turns out that was actually true. A lot of people thought they knew him. He had a big reputation. He had a big church. But the fact of the matter is he did not have personal relationships with anybody. He didn't have any real friends. He had acquaintances, he had colleagues, but there were no relationships where he let his guard down. And when a pastor feels that his marriage is not what it should be, the last thing he wants to do is to share that with somebody else. Yeah. So it's very hard to get folks to get help. And if you're listening, pastor, I know we have a lot of pastors who listen to this broadcast. If you're listening, let me just tell you, the first one you need to talk to is the Lord. Go to him and say, Lord, I don't want to play games anymore. I really want to repent of my hypocrisy, my selfishness. I don't know what to do here, but I need you to show me. And then I would say, go to your spouse and say, honey, I am so sorry that I have not been the husband that God calls me to be, and that I haven't loved you the way that Christ loves the church. And I want that to change. And then contact Brad and his ministry or one of the other folks out there. There are some good ones who will be willing to come alongside you and actually coach you in this because you don't have to stay stuck where you are. That's you don't true. have to stay trapped, whether you're a pastor or a layperson, you don't have to stay trapped in a marriage that's based on performance, that's based on trying to just get what you can from the other person and keep up appearances. It doesn't have to be that way. God offers something so much better. And I I would just, I'd invite you, the book, The Grace Marriage, uh, has lots of wonderful insight, illustrations, and, and great questions at the ends of the chapters that will help you process what you've just been through. This is a wonderful tool for believers. And I would tell you this, if you don't know Jesus, then that's where you start. Go to him and ask him to rescue you. He died to save you. 
Don't continue to try and make it on your own. Just tough it out. Run to Jesus and say, Lord, please change me, save me. Because the most important thing is where you're gonna spend eternity. And I, I would really like to see you when we get to heaven. Brad, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate what you do. Uh, I've never met Marilyn, but please give her my best. I, I appreciate you all opening up and sharing candidly as you did in this book. You have wonderful, wonderful guidance for people in this, and it's very clearly presented. So I thank you. The book again, folks, is The Grace Marriage by Brad and Marilyn Rhodes. Brad, God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.